what keeps you up at night? Sometimes we are kept awake at night by things that are normal, but outside our control. A screaming child. A rooster that has a death wish. A dog that longs to be adopted into another family. These things are normal things, but they're out of our control to an extent, and these things often will keep us awake at night. At other times, it's something entirely different. It's dark in the room just the way you like it. I don't know about you, but I prefer pitch black when I'm sleeping. I don't want to see light coming from anywhere. If you wonder just how OCD I am about it, uh, like right now, we have a baby, and so we have a baby monitor. I shut the screen off at night so that I can hear but don't have any light from the screen. And if it's plugged in, there's a little green light on it to indicate that it's charging, and I lay it flat so I don't see that green light. I hate any light. I like it pitch black. It's dark in the room just the way you like it. It's quiet and peaceful. Your version of noise that you like to hear at night, it's doing his thing. How many of you like some noise at night? Okay. I hate pitch black, or I, I want pitch black, and I want zero noise. When Stephanie and I were in Pensacola in our master bedroom of the house we lived in, Stephanie had put up a cheap clock in the bathroom, and it would go tick. Tick-tock, tick-tock. I can't stand that noise. I hate it. I would literally lay awake at night hearing that noise and grow angry to the extent that finally I went in there and I pulled the batteries out of the clock and put it back on the wall, and I'm pretty sure eventually destroyed it somehow. I don't like it. But maybe you like noise of some kind. You like a little hum. You need a fan on and it's not for the air swirling, it's for the noise of it. Um, maybe you like that, and, and you've got that going on. Your, your noise that you like, it's doing its thing. The temperature is just right. You're in your bed with your covers, and it's not too warm, it's not too cold. It, it's perfect temperature. And your spouse isn't even snoring. Everything is set up for a perfect night's sleep. But you can't sleep. Have you ever been there? And you wondered maybe even, why can't I sleep? Or maybe you knew exactly the reason. You did everything you could to just go to sleep and rest, and, and you couldn't. We're in a study of dangerous prayers in the Bible dangerous prayers. What are they? What does that mean? One of my children asked me after last Sunday night if prayer was dangerous. What I mean by dangerous prayers are these are prayers that remove us from our comfort zone, 
and push us to be closer to Jesus than we've ever been. Psalm 139, 23, and 24 is where we began, and it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Dangerous prayers push us out of our comfort zone to a place where we can be closer to Jesus than we've ever been. But that kind of prayer is something that is often outside of our comfort zone. More often than not, our prayer requests tend to be more about our comfort. More about things being smooth, being easy. I wonder if you are ever in the habit of praying, though, dangerous prayers. Over the past week, have you endeavored to pray less comfortable prayers? And as we embark on this examination of dangerous prayers, we are confronted with the reality that we often pray for what will bring us comfort rather than what challenges and convicts us. Think about it this way. Are you more likely to pray that God will protect you from trials or purge you through trials? That's a tough one, isn't it? We know the, the scriptural truths and analogies, don't we? We even have some songs about it. There's a song about the refiner's fire. You know the one I'm talking about, don't you? Being purged through the refiner's fire. But we don't often get on our knees before God and say, God, purge me through trials. We often pray, God, protect me from trials. Are you more likely to pray that God save you from difficulties or strengthen you through difficulties? Most often in your life and mine, the place of spiritual growth is a place of discomfort. Growth can happen in a place of comfort, but if we're honest, it's more rare. For that to be true than in a place of discomfort. God will often work in a special way in our lives, allowing and even bringing things into our lives that make us a little uncomfortable so that he can refine, so he can purge, so he can strengthen us, so he can grow us. But that's not often where we spend our prayer lives. Now again, we're not forbidden to request anything of the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be careful for nothing, but in what? Everything. In everything. Friend, listen, God invites you to bring everything to him. You can pray about anything. Everything. God doesn't turn you away. God doesn't say, no, I, I'm not going to listen to that request. No, I'm not going to respond to your cry when you cry about that or ask 
about that. I, I'm not going to respond. No, God says in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God invites us to bring any request that is on our heart with the understanding that he listens, cares, and responds. And I am very thankful that that is our God. Aren't you thankful tonight that nothing is too small for your God? We know that nothing's too big for him, but I think there are times we feel a little insecure. That's too small for God. No, nothing's too small either. If you care about it, God cares about it. Casting all your, not all your big cares, not, not all the major ones, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. But I have to ask, should that be the extent of our prayer lives? Should we stay in that comfort zone? Should we not also pray what is uncomfortable? David began this dangerous prayer in Psalm 139, verse 23, with this dangerous request. Search me, O God, and know my heart. David revealed his contempt for the wicked, for those who hold God in contempt. But then he invited this all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere present God to search and know him. And remember, this wasn't because God lacked knowledge that he needed to gain. God already knew it all. Remember, he's the already God. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know my thought afar off. There's not a word in my mouth, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God already knew everything there was to know about David. This was not for David's, for God's benefit, excuse me. It was for David's. David recognized the biblical truth that the heart is corrupt, it's deceptive. David realized that he could be deceived even by his own heart. And as he poured out his prayer to God, his contempt for the wicked and their contempt for God, David recognized, I, I may have some problems in my own life. There may still be corruption in me. And just in case any of us are thinking that, well, that's not true for me, can I remind you that even the great apostle Paul said of himself, sin lives in my heart. Sin still dwells there. We are all still corrupted by a flesh that is prone to sin. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he said, you need to watch and pray. I'm going to go a little further, but I'm going to leave you here. You watch and pray. And he went a little further and came back, and what did he find them doing? Sleeping. And he awoke them and said, didn't I tell you to watch and pray with me? Couldn't you do that for an hour? By the way, some of us would be like, pray for an hour? What is that? 
And Jesus went off again, and he came back again and found them asleep again. And he said, can't you watch and pray with me for an hour? How many hours are we up to? Two hours, right? And Jesus went away, and he prayed again the third time, and he came back. And he, he questioned them, but then he made this statement. The spirit is what? Willing, but the flesh is weak. And don't you know that's still true of you, and it's still true of me? That spirit that's been reborn by the Spirit of God, that's been regenerated to spiritual life, that spirit within us that has the wonderful privilege of communing with God is strong, it's willing. He that walketh in the Spirit shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? When you walk and live in the Spirit, you choose and do what is right, what pleases God. But the flesh that we still live in is what? It's weak, it's corrupt, it's sinful. We still, when we live in the flesh, do the things of the flesh, don't we? David realized this about himself. And so he asked God to search him, his heart, to know him, so that God could reveal to David the condition of his own heart. David was not satisfied with what he thought was true of himself. He was more interested in what God knew to be true of David. He understood that there may be things he was covering up, that he was excusing or rationalizing. Have you ever found that to be true in your life? You cover things up. You excuse things. You rationalize things. David recognized, I, I, I have contempt for those who have contempt for God, but I may be doing some things in my life that I've covered up, that I'm excusing, that I'm rationalizing. So God, know me. Show it to me. I want to be closer to you, and I cannot be apart from this dangerous prayer. Praying dangerous prayers will lead you closer to Jesus than you've ever been, but it requires a willingness to open up completely to the authority and activity of God in your life. You have to be willing and yielded so that God can reveal to you and do the work in you necessary to change you. Have you committed to pray uncomfortable prayers? Are you willing to pray dangerous prayers. If you are, then let's move on to the second dangerous request contained within this prayer. Again, recorded in Psalm 139. Look at verse 23 again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And then what's the next dangerous request? Say it with me, would you? Try me and know my thoughts. Try me. And know my thoughts. David opened with that dangerous prayer. God, search me. Examine me and reveal what's in my heart. But now David asked God to try him. To test him. To reveal what his thoughts were. You and I are prone when we endure trials to ask God to 
take us out of the trial, to remove the trial from us. We want it to end as quickly as possible, don't we? But David invited God to bring trial into his life. Does that sound crazy to you? Like, as far as we know, David wasn't enduring a trial at that moment. And if you're not enduring a trial, what are you doing? Praise God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not enduring things as I have in the past. Thank you for that last trial, for bringing me through. Lord, don't give me another one for a really, 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 really long time. In fact, if we can just flow right into eternity without another trial, I will praise your name. Thank God for that. But David said, God, try me. Bring the trial on. And just in case you doubt that this is exactly what David was asking for, it's revealing to recognize that David used the same exact Hebrew word that Job used when Job said this in Job 23, 9 and 10. He was speaking about seeing God, and he said he looked on the left hand where he, God, doth work, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he, God, knoweth the way that I take when he hath, what's the next word? Tried me. I shall come forth as gold when he hath tried me. That word tried is the same word that David prayed to God in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, try me. Do you remember what Job endured? I don't, I, I, I will take it upon myself to speak for you. Nobody wants to go through that. If you want to debate and argue with me, that's fine. But I, I would think I'm okay speaking for you that you don't want to go through what Job went through. You don't want to endure that kind of stuff. You don't want to endure that depth of trial and struggle and difficulty like he did that went on for, we really don't know how long of a period of time, but it went on for a while, didn't it? But here David is inviting God to bring trial into his life. Does that sound crazy to you? When's the last time you were a part of a prayer meeting and somebody prayed, God, bring a trial into my life. I need one to grow. God, I know your word speaks of the refiner's fire and that's how you purge me. God, I haven't been in the fire for a while and I need to go in. Has anyone heard anybody pray that before? Yet David did. A couple of years ago, one of our children got into the habit, don't even know why, but of going around at different times and putting their hands on our cheeks, one on either cheek, and just looking at us in the eye and saying, you are dangerous. No idea why. It would just be random times throughout the day. You are dangerous. Okay. 
I can see myself if David were here right now. Me putting my hands on David's face and saying, David, that's dangerous. That prayer that you just prayed, David, to me, that sounds crazy. That is dangerous. Why would David pray this? Would you agree with me that David would pray something like this, not because he was desiring pain, not because he was desiring loss, not because he was desiring to go through struggle. David prayed this desiring to gain something. Would you agree with me about that? I don't think he wanted loss. I don't think he wanted struggle. I don't think David was psychopathically inept in some way that made him want pain. I think David was looking through the pain, through the struggle, through the trial, to what he might gain. Just like Job said, I'm looking around at where God's hand is in all of this. I'm looking around to see what God is doing. And when you get to the end of Job, you realize that Job didn't have a clue. And by the way, you read the end of Job, and Job still didn't have a clue why God did what he did and why God allowed what he did. Job never got his answer. But Job trusted in the midst of it, in the midst of his depression, because he suffered depression, in the midst of his struggle, Job trusted. I don't see what you're doing, God, but I know this. When you're done, I'm going to come out on the other side as gold. There's going to be growth. There's going to be gain. And I believe David saw the same thing. Again, David didn't pray this for the sake of God learning something, but it was for the sake of God revealing something to David necessary to his growth and nearness to God. The original word translated thoughts, try me and know my thoughts, is only used one other time in the Old Testament. In Psalm 94, verse 19, and there the Bible says this, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. This word means cogitation. It represents deep thoughts. It's not just shallow thinking. It's not that kind of snap response thought to different things. It is someone who takes a step back and really considers and reflects. And David here is saying in Psalm 94, 19, that that God comforted his soul. A close relative of the word is also used three times in 1 Kings 18, verse number 21. There is where Elijah had preached that great sermon on Mount Carmel. And he asked the people of Israel, he challenged them, how long halt ye between two opinions? For the children of Israel... Elijah was challenging them. Don't be divided in heart. Don't be divided in mind. Don't be divided in thoughts. If God is God, serve him. If Baal, then serve him. But don't be somewhere in the middle. And the people responded, God is God. We're going to serve him. 
It's used again, this same word in Job chapter 4. Would you look at these verses with me? We get a little better picture of what David was asking God to reveal to him in this dangerous prayer. In Job 4, 13 and 14, this is actually one of Job's friends. It's not Job speaking. This is Eliphaz speaking. And he's describing an experience that he claimed to have had, while at the same time he's accusing Job of some secret sin. And he says this, he says, In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones to shake. So late at night, you go to bed, and remember, okay, set the scene, everything's perfect. The temperature's right, the noise that you want to hear or don't hear is just what it should be. There's no light at all or just the right amount of light. Your spouse isn't snoring. Everything is set up perfectly for you to have a good night of rest, but then you can't sleep. And in place of sleep, it's not just that you're laying awake wondering, why can't I sleep? But suddenly you are consumed with fear, dread. It may be due to a dream. It, it may just be some cause that you're not even completely understanding of yourself. Like anyone else who has children, there have been times our children have been aroused in the night because of nightmares. You know, those times when you should be sleeping well and you hear screams. It's happened numerous times, and if you're a parent, it probably has to you too. I remember one occasion when I heard those screams and I went to my child's aid and found out that there had been a dream of our dog Shadow dying due to a green toe. And I'll be honest with you, that bothered my child's rest. It concerned them greatly and kept them, woke them up, aroused them, and kept them from easily going back to sleep. I'll be honest with you tonight. There's never been a time that I've been concerned about my dog dying of a green toe. That's not something that I have struggled with. But I have had nights where rest and peace departed from my eyes, my mind and heart. Not just as a child either, but as an adult. I can think back to times in my life over the years. At one point, while we were representatives for Pensacola Christian and something happened and, and there was a, a lack of understanding about what was going on and I feared that I was going to lose my job and night after night after night, Stephanie would tell me in the next morning that during my sleep, I was reciting my pitch for the college over and over and over again all night long. I, I was concerned. I was afraid. And even though I was actually, my body was asleep, those thoughts were consuming me all night long. And there have been other times. I've shared with some of you, even during my time here as a pastor, there was one particular week, like three or four nights apart, I had two dreams on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. 
In one dream, I was right here behind this podium, and I was preaching, but there was some combo deal going on. Some of you were here, and people that are a part of our church family, but then there were also people from the church I grew up in in Illinois that were here, and I came to the podium to speak, and, and I was just barely into the introduction when people started hitting the altars, weeping and crying, and I woke up feeling pretty good. That's a good dream to have as a pastor. But then like three or four nights later, I had a dream that one of our church leaders, who happens to be my brother, came to me and said, Pastor, you need to leave this church. And I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. And I asked why, and the answer was, you preach too much about grace. And I thought, what? And that bothered me. It really did. And you chuckle, but I know you've been there. Maybe not the pastor thing, but maybe in some other place of your life. Have you experienced those types of things? David asked God to try him for the purpose of revealing to David's heart what it was that would keep him up at night. To reveal to his heart what would bring anxiety and worry in life. Why did David want to know that? That's what this prayer, try me and know my thoughts, is all about. God, show me what it is that keeps me up at night. Show me the anxiety in my thoughts. Show me the worry that is in my life that robs sleep and rest and peace from my life. Why did David want to know? Think about this with me. Let it sink in and speak to your heart. What you fear reveals where you lack faith. What you fear reveals where you lack faith. That which keeps you up at night may just be that area that experience or that situation where your faith is weak. And so fear sets in. We spoke a little of it this morning. Jesus, take no thought for your stature, your sustenance, for your future, for the, these things of this life that so often grip us and consume us and cause us to worry and panic and fear. What you fear reveals where you lack faith here's what david was praying god reveal to me where my faith is weak show me where my faith is limited illuminate my heart to the anxieties the worries that are present help me to recognize where my faith is not what it should be do what you need to do in my life to develop me so that I will stop responding in fear and start responding in faith. Over the years, there have been areas for me like that. I've shared with you in the past that one of those areas that I still struggle with from time to time, but not to the extent that I have in years past, was God's revelation to me that my fear of not being enough 
not being enough as a husband, as a father, as a, as a pastor, as a friend, as a, as a son, as a brother. Fill in the blank. Whatever my role is, that it's not enough, that I am not enough. That's been a fear of mine in the past, especially. I've shared with you on numerous occasions, transparently, the summer of 2022 has been the darkest time frame of my life. Laying awake at night. Multiple times waking up my wife just to tell her, Stephanie, I'm scared. I'm scared. Asking her to read scripture to me, to pray with me because I was scared. And you have been in places like that too. What is it for you? What is it for you that keeps you awake at night? That fear reveals where you lack faith. I believe you'd agree with me that God wants to increase your faith. And do you know what David knew? David knew that the best path for God to reveal his fear so that he could grow in his faith was to pray, God, try me. Reveal those thoughts, reveal the anxiety, reveal the worry. Dangerous, yes, but necessary. If you want to be closer to God than you have ever been, then you need to pray this uncomfortable prayer. Try me and know my thoughts. God, put me to the test. Reveal my tendency to fear instead of trust. God, do it lovingly and graciously, which we know he always will, so that you can be drawn closer to Jesus and increase your dependence on him. Would you commit to pray this dangerous prayer? Try me and know my thoughts.